Welcome to Highlands Church Audio Sermons. Today, March 20th, 2022, we continue our series titled Romans, Gospel for All Time. Today's sermon, The Law and Sin, will be taught to us by Pastor Brendan Anderson out of Romans chapter 7, verses 7 through 13. But first, here's a quick recap of last week's sermon. You see, whether you realize it or not, you are in an unending conversation with yourself. You either preach to yourself an anti-gospel of your own self-righteousness, your own power, your own wisdom, or you're preaching to yourself the true gospel of deep spiritual need and the sufficiency of His grace. Through our union with Christ, we have died to the law and we're now married, married to His righteousness. You don't have to be fearful of being discovered a sinner because there's nothing in you that can ever be exposed that hasn't been covered by the precious blood of Christ. Where do you find your identity? Vertically or horizontally? Are you trying to live in both worlds, a foot in both camps? Recognize that you are a bride of Christ. And in this marriage, in this union with Christ, there is no death do we ever part. Nothing can separate you from this love. It is great to be with you. So excited to be able to be a part of teaching through a, a part of the book of Romans. It's just exciting. I'm thankful for the opportunity. But I want to tell you something I'm actually a little bit more thankful for. And that's this is a little peek behind the curtain, behind the scenes, Highland stuff. Uh, every week you guys see one person standing up here uh, giving a message. But what you don't see is also every week there's a team of people that meet. We call it the preaching meeting. Uh, every single week looking at the next three passages of scripture that are coming up at Highland. And it's a group of our staff and pastors, men and women, young and old, sitting around the table, diving into God's word together, and just in humility, sharing ideas and perspectives and points of view, making sure uh, that we're getting it right, uh, lovingly correcting one another. And it's done in the spirit of humility and generosity. And it's just such a beautiful thing. And while everybody who's a part of that brings uh, that spirit to it, it's really led from the top. So uh, our lead pastor, Pastor Bob Wade, Bob, thank you for making this such a priority for our church that we would invest that amount of time and intentionality into that particular uh, meeting and, and, and get together. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm truly thankful for that. And that's actually a really long-winded way of saying if I get something wrong this morning, it's not my fault. <laughs> No, I was excited when, when uh, Bob had asked, he's like, you want to do part of Romans 7? I said, that'd be cool. I would love that because uh, I am a rule follower. Anybody else out there a rule follower? Rule followers? Yeah, I know. They're, and I know some of you are like, rules, really? Really? We're doing rules? Uh, yes, really. Uh, rules help keep everything organized and predictable and orderly. And rules help me know what's expected of me. And if I'm doing the right thing and if I'm put feeling particularly shallow, rules help me see how much better I am at following the rules than everybody else. <laughs> Especially rule breakers, right? You know who you are. I mean, it's nobody in this room, I know. No rule breakers, but you know them, right? The rules, they don't apply to them. Or every rule can be bent a little or broken a little bit. It's not going to hurt anybody. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. All right. I mean, we follow rules constantly, all day, every day. In fact, I worked with the media team to put together a few examples. Take a look at some of these things on the screen. All right. This is a great example, right? Don't enter the wrong way of the freeway. You're going to hurt yourself. You're going to hurt somebody else. Great rule. Let's go to the next one. Uh, yeah, you're flying 30,000 feet. Emergency use only. 30, you're not going to open that. 
That's a great rule. It's for safety. Let's go to the next one. All right, this one with the school bus. They're kids in the street. You're going to stop. Even if you're late for work, you see that school bus down the road and you're like, oh no. But we still stop because it's a safety issue. The kids are on the street. Let's go to the next one. All right, we're not supposed to be there. This is for your safety. Don't touch the electric fence. This is a safety issue. Same thing. Let's go to the next one. All right, this one. What kind of monster would not pick up? I mean, this is your own neighborhood, right? You can't just leave that on the... All right, let's go to the next one. Okay, this one. We tell each other this all the time, don't we? We tell each other, no texting and driving. It's safety. I mean, you're going to hurt. You could seriously hurt yourself or someone else. We tell each other to not... I mean, maybe at a red light or something. But let's go to the next one. Let's go to the next one. All right, speed limits. We all agree that speed limits, you can't just go as fast or as slow as you want, right? So speed limits are a good thing to keep us safe. I mean, this really, we all know this means like 45 to 55, right? I mean, if they had room on the sign, it would, they'd, they'd write both numbers probably. Let's go to the next one. Go to the next one. All right. Cart path only. This is a good rule. We want to respect the, green, the grass. It's not our grass, right? It's the golf course. We're trying to keep it beautiful. But man, if I shank that ball way off to the side... I might have to drive on the grass just for a little bit and then right back in that. Let's go to the next one. Go to the next one. All right, this one hurts a little right now, but uh, if this is, again, you don't want to mess your car up or a safety issue, but I, I, I mean, obviously, if you find a really good gas price right now, you're going to crank every little drop into there. But let's go to the next one. Go to the next one. Okay, Netflix. If you don't live with the owner of this account, you need your own account to keep watching. All right. Again, we don't want to steal from a company like this. Now, I know, I mean, if somebody that you know really well doesn't need all of Netflix, they need like one movie or show, you might share your password, but just for one day or something. Let's just go to the next one. Go to the next one. Oh, man. This one hurts me because I know those companies pay almost nothing for this. So it's like pennies, and then they charge you like $3 for a soda, and then they tell you you can't refill it. That's really, let's just turn this off. I, okay, let's turn this off. I want to revise my statement. I am a rule follower until it doesn't fit my own personal agenda or my schedule or my desire for more soda. <laughs> the truth is we're rule followers, but not. We have a complicated relationship with rules. And we can laugh and have some fun about the ones that we're looking at, but what about God's rules? What about God's rules? Maybe you've heard somebody even object to the Bible and say, oh, it's just a bunch of rules, just a bunch of rules to follow. The truth is we can have a pretty complicated relationship with God's rules too. And in fact, that's where we find ourselves today in Romans chapter seven as we continue our study. So I'm gonna invite you to grab your Bibles. Uh, there's Bibles in the seat backs in front of you. If you've got it on a phone or tablet, whatever you have a Bible on, we're going to the book of Romans chapter seven, book of Romans, second half of the Bible, New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans chapter seven. And last week, Pastor Jeff was here. We got a little taste of that on the video. In chapter seven, and Paul, the writer of this particular letter to the Romans, brings up the law. The law. All right? So here we go. What's the law? The law is God's rules for living. Actually, I don't want to say rules because it's more than just rules. It's not like clean up after your dog or stay on the cart path. God is the creator of the universe, creator of life itself. And so it's not rules as much as it is God's design for life. It's God saying, hey guys, here is how life works best. Trust me, I literally invented life. That's what God is telling us. And while the centerpiece of the law is what we would call the Ten Commandments, it actually all started with one command, just one, to Adam and Eve. And it was don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. 
But then in a cloud of deception and weakness, that law was broken by Adam and Eve. Sin came, it became a reality for all mankind. Now sin, that's a loaded word. We've got to make sure that we understand what sin is. Sin is when we fall short of God's standard both intentionally and even unintentionally, as we're gonna find out today. It's when we go against God's design for life. It's when we just straight up break his laws. And because this world is broken, uh, it's broken by sin, sin is everywhere. It's everywhere. In fact, there's not a single person on the planet who can make it through life without sinning, without breaking God's commands. Actually, there was one. There was one, Jesus, fully God, fully man, he lived a perfect life without sin. And because of that, he was the only one who could pay the penalty for sin once and for all when he went to the cross. So when we receive then that gift of grace through Jesus Christ, and then we still sin, it's covered. It's covered. Our penalty is no longer death. We're saved. We get forgiveness instead. And that's why in Romans chapter seven, verse six, last week, we read this. Paul said, but now we are released from the law, having died to that which held us captive, so that we serve now in the new way of the spirit, not in the old way of the written code. So we're released from the law, right? Because Jesus paid the penalty for sin. People just, before that happened, people just had the law that they had to try and follow the best they could, and it never worked. People were trapped, they were held captive by the fact that they had this law clearly given by God and they were incapable of living up to it 100% of the time, right? It'd be like getting in a race car and told that to win the race, you had to go 200 miles per hour, but your car's engine can actually only go 90 miles per hour because you have a bunch of bad gas in the tank. Now, in that situation, you might start to think that the rules of the race are to blame. Why is that 200-mile-per-hour rule there in the first place? I'm going plenty fast. In fact, I'm going faster than everybody else. I'm a great race driver. The only reason I'm failing the race is because of that 200-mile-per-hour rule. And that's kind of where our section in Romans 7 takes us today. And once and for all, the Apostle Paul is going to bring us to a full understanding of the law in a Christian's life. Because last week we read that we are released from the law, released from the law. So does that mean I don't have to do any of those things anymore, or what is it? What is it? All right, so Romans 7, starting in verse 7, he says this, the first half. He says, what then shall we say, that the law is sin? By no means. All right, we see an objection here. We've seen this before in Romans. Paul is anticipating somebody hearing this letter read and then raising their hand and saying, hold on a second. If you're saying that we needed to be set free from the law, that makes the law sound like a bad thing. Is that what you're saying? The law itself is, is bad? And understand that that question would have been asked probably in a panic. Why is that? Well, because the Jews at the time, uh, they had always lived in a system where following God's law was everything. It was everything. It would be disturbing to think of the law as the problem. The law was supposed to be the solution. Psalm 119, uh, their hero, King David, wrote this in Psalm 119. He said, oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. These people were all about the law. They were rule followers like me. But guess what? They were also sinners like me. So let's go on. Seven, uh, verse seven, the second half. He says, by no means, yet it had not been for the law, I would not have known sin. For I would not have known what it is to covet if the law had not said, you shall not covet. 
All right, so to understand that the objection uh, that is being raised in Paul's answer, I wanna take another quick little quiz to understand where this is coming from. So I have one more picture, one more picture to show you. Take a look at this picture. All right, so this picture, are, is this nice woman breaking the law? Is she breaking any rules? Doesn't look like it, right? It looks like she's just having a great day out on the lawn, looks beautiful, great place to be. But how about now? Now was it a picture of? Well, now it's a picture of a rule breaker, right? Something is being broken. So is it the sign's fault that she is breaking the rules? No. Maybe they just reseeded the lawn. Maybe they just sprayed it with toxic chemicals and her face is gonna melt off if she lays there. I don't know. (laughs) The point is, the sign isn't the problem. It points to the problem, right? It reveals the problem. And that's our first point today. God's law reveals sin. God's law reveals sin. And that's pretty simple, right? That's where Paul is in verse seven. He uses the example of coveting. So what's coveting? Well, to covet something means uh, to want something someone else has. Not like, oh, that cheeseburger looks delicious, but like to obsess over it, to want that thing. I'm, I need that thing. I won't be happy until I have that thing. Nothing is, 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 is as important in life as that thing. That's covetousness. Uh, covetousness is the opposite of contentment. It's the opposite of contentment. It's also commandment number 10 of the 10 commandments. So Paul says here, uh, he says, the law isn't bad at all. Without the law, I wouldn't even know how to define the issue. I wouldn't have even had a name for it. I wouldn't have an understanding of it. So he's appreciating the law here. It's good to know what the rules are. And I think we're all in that space a lot of the time, right? We, we like and appreciate having a clearly defined right and wrong that everybody's expected to follow. But I also think there are times when we actually do wanna blame the rules themselves. Like uh, when I'm at home, this has happened to me sadly more than once. So I'm at home, I've got a meeting coming up, uh, but I don't manage my time well. And so then I get in the car late and I'm driving fast and I'm trying to make it and then red light. And then you go a little, and another red light. And then red light. And so I get to work, I rush in, everybody's at the meeting already, everybody's waiting on me. And what do I say? Those red lights. (laughs) Somebody at the city of Scottsdale needs to work on the timing on that road with all those red lights. Was it the red light? Was it really the red light that was the problem? No, I didn't manage my time well. I didn't leave myself enough time. I didn't respect the time of the people I was gonna meet enough to leave myself enough time. It was my selfishness, right? So we can see how this can apply. The law, God's design for living, it it serves as a helpful guardrail to point us in the right direction. It reminds us of the standard that we're called to, and that's a good thing. But then in verse eight, it starts to get a little bit more wild, and that's because sin enters the picture. So let's look at verse eight. Paul says, but sin, seizing an opportunity through the commandment, produced in me all kinds of covetousness. All right, so sin. Sin sounds like a pretty active character in this passage, right? But we need to have the right perspective on what sin is. Sin isn't this external force that we fight like a supervillain, right? In fact, Jesus said it this way in Mark chapter 7, verse 21. Jesus said, for from within, out of the heart of man come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery. He goes on and on. He's saying sin comes from within, We have a natural inclination to push the limits, to cut corners, to bend the rules, to fit our own personal agenda. James 1 flushes it out even more than this. James 1, uh, starting in verse 14, 
It says, each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. So he's saying we have these desires inside that will draw us toward sin. And sometimes our tendency towards sin can even take something good, like a command designed to help us live a better life, and it can use it to cause us to sin, sometimes in ways that we may not have even been thinking about before we even heard the rule. And that's gonna be our second point today, is that sin exploits the law, is what Paul is gonna say. Sin exploits the law. Let me give an example of this one, and this one hurts a little bit, but I'm gonna bring up HGTV. HGTV. So my wife and I loved to watch HGTV, and it was fun. We'd watch the Fixer Upper and the House Hunters and all that stuff, and we never thought much of it. It was just entertainment, some fun things to watch. Then we had kids, and our recreational TV watching days were over for a while, and so that was gone, but uh, we loved our neighborhood. We were so thankful for our house. I mean, life was good. Life was good. And then on a rare night, we would get to sit down and watch HGTV. We'd, We'd queue up one of those shows, watch a few episodes, and suddenly... Our house didn't seem so great. Suddenly, uh, we felt like failures if we didn't have stone countertops in the bathroom or wood floors for our open concept. And those light fixtures we had in the bathroom, oh, I mean, we pretty much just needed a new house, right? What happened? What happened? A show designed to encourage home improvement, which is a good thing, it awakened this covetousness this discontentment inside of me. Had we not turned it on, those thoughts wouldn't even come up that particular night. But now, now it was all I could think about. Right? So is that HGTV's fault? No. No, it's sin. It's the desire inside of me that runs contrary to the command that God has given to be content with what I have. And that desire inside of me becomes a sin thing. It becomes covetousness when I let it take over, even if it was triggered by a good thing. Here's another way that sin exploits the law. When we do good things the law says to do, but we do it for completely the wrong reasons. Jesus called this out a lot. Check out Matthew chapter six, verse two up on the screen. This is Jesus and he's saying, thus when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. What's he saying? He's saying giving to the needy, that is good, absolutely good. God calls us to give to others out of the resources that he gives us. But if that giving is done in a spirit of, hey, look at me, then it's not good at all. It's sin. It's our inclination to sin, looking at the idea of giving to the needy and then recognizing that there's something in it for us. We can get ahead. We can get a better reputation. It can uh, satisfy our desire to please people. Uh, People will like us more. And suddenly we're doing the right thing for the wrong reasons. And Paul fleshes this idea out in the next few verses. So back to Romans chapter seven. He says, starting in verse eight, uh, in midway through verse eight, he says, for apart from the law, sin lies dead. I was once alive apart from the law, but when the commandment came, sin came alive and I died. The very commandment that promised life proved to be death to me, for sin, seizing an opportunity through the commandment, deceived me and through it killed me. All right, so I need to pause real quick 
and remind us that context in Bible reading is really important because if you just lifted the phrase that we just read where Paul says, I once was alive apart from the law out on its own, you'd actually have some serious contradictions with the rest of the Bible, even within Romans itself. Because just a few chapters before, uh, when we were in Romans chapter two, Paul had said, for all who have sinned without the law will also perish without the law. So why is he saying here that I once was alive apart from the law? Well, I think what his point is here is that he's talking about what his point of view was before he knew the law, before he knew the commandment. He was, he's saying, hey, before I knew I wasn't supposed to covet things, before I really knew what coveting was, I thought I was doing a great job. I thought I was doing pretty good. Paul's sinfulness had himself convinced that he wasn't doing anything wrong at all. And that is the deception of sin. That's our third point. Sin is deceptive. Sin is deceptive. Especially, and watch this now, especially as our cultural standards drift further and further away from God's design. So I want us to be careful. Don't confuse God's law with the laws of the United States. Just because you can't get arrested for something doesn't mean that it's a part of God's good design for your life. I mean, I'm sure you know lots of people uh, who are living life pretty far outside the standard that the Bible clearly lays out, and yet they're fully convinced that it's perfectly normal or even something to celebrate. Maybe that was some of you. I know that has been me at times in my life as well. I've been there. Ephesians 2 uh, says it like this. This is also Paul writing. Ephesians 2 verse 1, he says, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins which you once walked, following the course of this world. Gonna jump to verse three. He says, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and mind. What's he saying? He's saying the sin inside of us takes a look at the world and we say to ourselves, oh, see, that's not so bad. Those people are doing it over there. Those people look like they're having a great time. They're not hurting anybody. And suddenly the beat we're dancing to isn't God's design. The beat we're dancing to is the beat of a lost and broken world. And sin can convince ourselves that life has never been better. Sin can actually convince us that it's sin that's the good, moral, and loving thing, and that God's commands, those are the things are what's broken and mean-spirited and harmful. That's the deception of sin. And it happens in big and small ways. I remember I had a friend uh, who came up to me with his phone one day. He's like, oh, I, got, I got this cool new app. You can stream any movie you want, even new ones, anytime you want, and it's all completely free. And I looked at his phone, I'm, I'm flipping through, I'm like, sure enough, all these first-run movies, brand new, all streaming, all completely free. I said, uh, interesting. I said, where'd you get this app? He said, I don't know, some guy on Facebook linked to it. I said, okay, that's cool. You know that's illegal, right? He said, What? So I saw him a few days later and he came and he said, look, I looked into that app and you're right, it is totally illegal. How was I supposed to know? How was I supposed to know? But here's the thing, is how was I supposed to know gonna keep him from getting a copyright infringement fine later from Disney? No, it won't. And the Bible tells us that we're still held responsible for sin even if we're not aware that it's sin or even if we've convinced ourselves it's not or even if everybody else is doing it. Uh, Romans 2.12, I mentioned it earlier, but it says this, Romans 2.12, it says, for all who have sinned without the law will also perish without the law, and all who have sinned under the law will be judged by the law. In other words, if you don't know the rules and you break them, you're dead. If you do know the rules and you break them, you're dead. Either way, you're dead. (laughs) 
What do we need? A savior. We need a savior. So as we grow in our understanding of God's design for life, we're gonna come across these types of things, especially when Jesus starts talking, because Jesus, he took the, the written law that God gave to Moses, and he actually doubled down, way down to the heart of the matter behind all of the law. I mean, I can very confidently say to you and stand here and tell you that I have never committed murder. All right, I think it's relatively easy to go through an entire day without murdering anyone. I hope you would agree. But then we get to Matthew chapter 5, verse 21, and Jesus says this. He says, you have heard it that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council, and whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. Whoa. All right, I mean, I thought I was doing pretty well that I've made it 42 years through life and not stabbed anybody. And here Jesus is saying that a couple weeks ago when I got super frustrated at that meeting, I already crossed the line. I already crossed the line. So Jesus' good encouragement that we shouldn't direct anger or insults at other people that revealed the sin inside me that absolutely does those things. And that penalty for sin is death. That's why Paul says back in Romans 7 in verse 9 as we continue on, he says, when the commandment came, sin came alive and I died. The very commandment that promised life proved to be death to me. All right, so God's law, God's design for life, it's a good design. When we follow it, it leads to human flourishing. That's what Paul is saying, continuing on in verse 12, when he says, so the law is holy and the commandment is holy and righteous and good. All right, following God's law points us towards righteousness towards right living. That's why he says the commandment promised life. It's good to follow God's commands. So then why does he say it it proved to be death? Well, because we can't follow them perfectly. We can't follow them perfectly. We'll never achieve it on our own. And by the way, who would know this better than Paul? Uh, Remember, this is a guy, Paul, who before he met Jesus, he was one of the best of the best religious leaders. In the world and culture of rule followers, Paul was like the goat. He was rising to the top of the class Uh, checking all the boxes. So how did a guy like that, a rule follower of all rule followers, just a few years later, come to write something to his friend Timothy where he said, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. How did he get there? Well, he met Jesus. That's how. Suddenly, all the puffed up religious street cred that Paul had racked up, it meant nothing, right? At the end of the day, no matter how many rules he followed, he was still a sinner, He couldn't save himself. And as he came to know Jesus, to understand what Jesus had done, his eyes were opened to just how much he had been missing it. And his eyes were opened to how much he had been forgiven from. And you know what he's saying helped him see all those things after he met Jesus? The law. God's law helped him see it. I mean, look at this in verse 13, our last verse for today. He said, did that which is good then bring death to me? By no means. It was sin producing death in me through what is good in order that sin might be shown to be sin and through the commandment might become sinful beyond measure. He's saying no wiggle room, no justifying sin, no minimizing it or making excuses. For those who are followers of Jesus Christ, God's law helps throw a spotlight on what sin is. But, and this, this is so important, but now instead of feeling guilt and shame, feeling the sense of dread that we're gonna die, now we receive grace and forgiveness instead. 
That's the freedom from the law that Paul is trying to communicate in chapter seven. It's not that we just throw all of God's rules out the window when we follow Jesus. In fact, Jesus himself said to his followers in John 14, 15, he said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. But when we have faith in Jesus, we are free from the penalty that comes from when we break those commandments. And that's our last point for today is that the law helps us understand the beauty of the gospel. The law helps us understand the beauty of the gospel. With that freedom that we have comes this new life that Paul started talking about in chapters six and seven of Romans. When our faith is in Jesus, he gives us a new life, a life that we live with the help of the Holy Spirit. And how does all that work? Well, I'm glad you asked because we're gonna get there in the weeks to come. Uh, Romans chapter eight is arguably one of the most amazing, beautiful chapters of the entire Bible, and it is gonna be awesome. We're there in the next few weeks. But here's a teaser. What does the Holy Spirit help us do? He helps us live a life more like Jesus. And what did Jesus do perfectly? He kept the law, right? But now, when we go through life in Christ, the law is this amazing guide. It's it's something we can actively check ourselves against, right? Not to score achievement points. Jesus already achieved perfection, all right? No, now we check ourselves against God's law to allow God to shape us into the people who he wants us to be. You know, earlier I mentioned uh, this objection to the Bible that you might have heard before, that the Bible is just a bunch of, it's just a bunch of rules to follow. But you know, that'd be like saying the movie E.T., is a movie about how the government handles extraterrestrial activity. I mean, it's part of the story, but it's not the point of the story. The point of the story is a relationship. And that's what the Bible is. The Bible is one big, great, massive story about a relationship, the relationship between God and people. And people rebelled against God. We said, we wanna do things our own way. And God could have just said, good luck, good luck. But he didn't. In his love, he pursued us. He provided the law to show us his good design for living life. And because it was clear that we were never going to be able to achieve that standard, he fulfilled it himself by sending his son, Jesus Christ, to both perfectly fulfill it and to pay our penalty for breaking it. And so now we've got this amazing restored relationship. And I know for me, remembering that I have a relationship in Jesus Christ helps me keep the right perspective of what I'm supposed to do with the law. I mean, think about your most important relationships. Uh, for me, it would be my wife. I love her unconditionally, and she loves me unconditionally. I don't earn her love by doing the dishes or picking the kids up from school or walking the dog or doing the taxes. Those are things that I do because I love her and I know she loves me. And the more of those things that I can do for her to reflect how much I love her, the stronger our relationship grows and there's peace in our home. But on the flip side, if I stop doing those things, she's not gonna just stop loving me, right? But how's our relationship gonna go? it's probably starting to get a little rocky, right? Uh, we'll still be married, there's security in that, but there won't be peace in our home. Or what if I were to start staying out late on my own with my friends, never including my wife, never talking about it, never even mentioning her uh, around the people that I was? My friends might start to think, if, wonder if I even had a functional marriage or not. So what am I saying? I think what Paul is saying here is that for those who have a faith in Jesus Christ, God's law, his commands are a good thing. 
Right? The law lets us know how we can nurture and build this relationship with Christ. It warns us about the things that will damage our relationship with Christ. The law isn't something now that hangs over our head to just crush us any minute when we sin. We've been set free from that. All right, now the law is a roadmap. It's a guide. It's a, it's a light for our path, especially when the things around us are at their darkest The motivation and strength to follow it now comes from the Holy Spirit living inside of us because we've already been set free. And that's amazing. That's why we can actually join with King David from Psalm 119 that we read earlier and say, oh, how I love your law. It's my meditation all the day. But now we get to say it on the other side of history, knowing the amazing promise that was fulfilled in Jesus Christ. I'm going to bring the worship team out so that we can sing, close and sing a song together. But before we move out of chapter seven, uh, you'll notice we're not to the end yet because we have one more issue to address in relation to the law. Paul is actually going to end the chapter by getting personal and he recognizes his own brokenness. And he's going to say one of the most relatable statements in the entire Bible. He says in Romans seven, verse 15, he's going to say, for I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want but I do the very thing I hate. I don't know about you, but that hits so hard for me. Why, even after we've been saved by grace and have this faith in Jesus Christ, even after we have this incredible word from God showing us how to live, why do we keep doing the things we don't wanna do? Why? And I'm so encouraged that even the Apostle Paul himself struggles with that question. So come next week, find out the answer. Or if you're feeling like the Holy Spirit this morning is bringing up something uh, in your life right now that you need his his, uh, help to conquer, because that's the only way that we're gonna conquer those things is through the help of the Holy Spirit. Come down and pray with somebody right after the service. Our prayer team is gonna be down here and it would be their honor to pray with you. Or maybe you've been in a spot where you're just trying to achieve to win favor back to God. That's living under the law. We've been set free from that. We can have this new freedom in Christ. And so right now, as a group of imperfect people who have been saved by grace, uh, I want us to sing a simple song together. It's just called, Thank You, Jesus. And in it, we're gonna sing, You've given me life. You've opened my eyes. That's what God's law does. It opens our eyes to our brokenness and lets us stand in amazement of his grace. And so we're gonna sing, Thank you, Jesus. You've set me free. Christ, my Savior, You've rescued me. What a beautiful thing. Church, will you pray with me? Our Father in heaven, God, thank you so much for that gift of grace. God, we are imperfect, broken people in need of a savior. And God, you provided. You provided, you sent your son to live a perfect life, to take the penalty for our sin, to rise again, and through him give us a new life. Father, thank you for that gift. God, thank you for your law. Thank you for your commands. Thank you for your word that we don't have to guess at what it looks like to live a life that honors you, a life that works best. God, you you wrote it down in your word. God, help us to read it every day to make it a part of our daily rhythms and life that we can continually join with King David and said, oh, how I love your law. It points us in the right direction. And so, Father, would you, uh, as we sing this song, as we respond in a time of musical worship together, 
God, would you just ignite inside of us through the power of your Holy Spirit that desire to live for you in all that we say, in all that we do. And we pray it all in Jesus' name. And all God's people say, amen, amen, amen. Uh, Church, I hope that thankfulness is in your heart when we realize, when we look at God's law and realize what we have been saved from. And so I hope when you're reading God's word or you're at church or you're in a small group and you come across something that God said in his word and you're like, oh, I blew it. I blew it. I missed it. Don't fall into the trap of, of shame and guilt. That's living under the law. That part is gone. We're set free from that, right? Instead, we turn and look the sin straight in the eye and say, sin, you're dead. You're dead. Jesus killed it. All right, now we turn and say, Jesus, thank you. And then we turn to the Holy Spirit. We say, Holy Spirit, man, help me conquer this sin in my life. I don't want it. I want to do things your way, your will, your way. And through his strength, you can walk through that. So we want to see you next week. But this week, Walk out of here with that thankfulness in your heart, set free from the law to walk in the way that God has put before you. We'll see you next week. Thanks for being here.